everybody. My name is Jesse Rivera, and welcome to episode number 99. Can you believe that shit? One away from 100, and I am actually changing the name of the podcast because uh, I'm no longer pursuing stand-up comedy. So um, I thought it was silly to keep calling it Comic Talk because I'm no longer a comic. Uh, was I ever really a comic? I mean, I was an open micer, you know? Uh, so I just decided that, uh, when the pandemic's over, I don't want to put that much attention or to that much energy into going to open mics, you know, two, three, four times a week. Um, not that that's not important. I mean, it's important for some people, you know, I'm not knocking it, uh, but it's not, um, it's not what I want to do anymore. So uh, I did it for 18 months. I had a lot of fun. I made a lot of, I met a lot of great, interesting people. And I made a handful of really good friends that I think I'm going to keep for a really long time. So um, I decided, well, I'm not going to keep calling this uh, Comic Talk the podcast if I'm not a comic, right? Seems kind of silly. So uh, I was like, well, what the hell am I going to call it, you know? And I settled on uh, Jesse Rivera likes to talk because my name is Jesse Rivera and I like to talk. And I'm going to keep doing the top fives because they're a lot of fun. And if something comes along and I want to just talk one-on-one with somebody and just have an interview, kick it old school, I think we'll do that because I think I still want to keep doing the, the live format at the Sacramento Comedy Spot, if they'll allow me, where I'll uh, have a couple of comics and uh, then interview them. That was a, Those shows were a lot of fun. So I kind of want to keep doing that, but we'll see. We'll see because, you know, there's not even uh, – there's only a handful of live shows right now. and The Comedy Spot um, hasn't started letting people back in, so uh, that's definitely something I want to do. But we'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get there, as they say. So – Welcome to episode number 99, or maybe it's episode number one of Jesse Rivera Likes to Talk. And today on the podcast, we have the guys of 6 O'Clock Dad Rock Pod, which is uh, exactly that. It's two dudes talking about Dad Rock, and I reached out to them a few weeks ago, and I said I would really love to have the two youths on the show together. And we're talking about Court Hansen and uh, Corey Berenger, uh, local Sacramento funny guys. Uh, Court is an outstanding improviser, and Corey is a very funny uh, comedian, and he is also a very talented musician, uh, singer-songwriter, guitarist-type guy. So reached out to them a couple weeks ago, and I said, come on the podcast. I know I knew that they know their stuff. like They're, they're very knowledgeable with music, but... Um, I told them you guys pick the topic and 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 I'll I'll I'm in, you know? And they came back with a topic that was really interesting, but it was it really made me do a lot of homework. Um I mean, I always have to do homework for these top 5s, but it was not easy homework. They came back with uh they wanted to do the top 5 songs of the British Invasion, not including the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. So just Google top songs of the, of the of the British Invasion and everything that comes up is going to be Beatles or Rolling Stones. So 
I had to dig deep into those into those song archives. I found five songs that I thought were amazing. Uh, and Court and Corey each came with five songs that I thought were amazing. And from them, uh, I discovered some bands, that, not new bands definitely, because they're bands like from the um, early to mid-60s that I want to listen to a little bit more. Um, uh, Court's list was very interesting. Uh, Corey, Corey's list, I kind of knew most of the bands that he was talking about. But uh, Court had uh, some really cool stuff that I had never heard of. And uh, I made a playlist, which uh, you could find in the link to this episode or on the YouTube page. And made a playlist and listened to it all day yesterday. And it was a lot of fun. So what else is going on before we get on to the podcast? Told you about the name change. Hey, as of this Wednesday, I will be two weeks post-second Pfizer shot, so that means I am fully vaccinated. Let the shenanigans begin. I've been going out a little bit more often, not going out, but like, you know, I've seen a couple of friends here and there a little bit more often, but next week, if you're fully vaccinated, let's hang out, man. Hit me up. Let's go have coffee. Let's go out to dinner. Let's have some fun. Let's 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 get life back on the road again because it's been a long ass 14 months and we got some catching up to do. You know what I'm talking about? Alrighty then, folks. That is all I have. So now, without further ado, please enjoy episode number 99 or episode number one, however you want to look at it, of Jesse Rivera likes to talk top five songs of the British Invasion, not including the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, with Court Hansen and Corey Berenger. Peace. Bye. Corey, Court. Man, that's 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 a tongue twister already. Yeah. <laughs> How the hell are you guys? It's so good to see you guys, man. Yeah, it's great to see you too. Uh, thrilled to be here. It's it's uh, we haven't seen you since you were on our show. We were talking about Credence. Um, yeah, that was a, that was fun. Back right. in the early days, the swamp days. Yes, yes I believe. Yeah, yeah. Am, am I correct that Jesse was our first guest on Six O'clock Dad Rock Talk? I think it was, it was either him or RJ. Yeah, might have been RJ, but I think it was you, Jesse. I, I, I know think... I was on in the early days, um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and the show has gotten so good, like. Not that that wasn't, not that that one wasn't good, but you know, like you go and you build your momentum and you, and you mm-hmm. figure out, oh, this worked, that, that didn't work. And yeah, 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 there's plenty of that when, when you're building any kind of show it's, and I, early on court and I were talking about how, um, one thing we have in common when it comes to producing shows is we both really get a kick out of format and like the evolution of format and like finding out what works and what doesn't. And uh, you know, a show shouldn't stay the same from day one to day 50. Like you should grow. Um, yeah. You should figure out, you know, how to make it better. Uh, exactly. And we've, we've had a lot of fun since day one, I think, you know, just yeah. saying like, let's, let's try something new. Like we never landed on a format and we're like, we have to do it this way. You know, every, uh-huh. every episode has, has been a little different. Yeah. It's so. very flexible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's gotta be like that. So sometimes I have guests on these top fives and they're like, well, I don't know if this technically is. But I'm like, yeah, it is. Oh, it's shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We're yeah, we've that a lot with with Dad Rock because I mean, from the beginning, we we established that Dad Rock is a very vague genre, if you even want to call it a genre. It's it's more of an atmosphere. It's it's a vibe, you know. So 
we've, we've had people come to us with like, I, you know, we like this, but I don't know if it's really dad rock this next week. We're doing eels. Most people would not say that's dad rock. I think <laughs> it is in the sense that it's dated and a certain, certain older generation would have an affinity for it, you know? Well, so that makes it dad rock. And those guys are dads now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, my, uh, when I, ca- I've been trying to categorize my albums and my dad rock category has just expanded to like now it includes like metal. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, I, like what we metal. call on the show Uncle Rock. <laughs> we we consider metal Uncle to be rock. Uncle You're Rock. Absolutely like right. Maiden, Iron Maiden is not dad rock. That's Uncle Rock. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think Uncle Rock is, is a really good category. Yeah. Because, and it's like, like Linda Ronstadt is in my dad rock. And like, you know, but. Yeah. But when I first categorized them, like my metal was like this big, and I was like, "Oh no, this just going in with dad rock. Like, <laughs> you're not special metal." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I I want to do a couple of quick congratulations. So uh, Corey, when you were well, the last time we talked about having you on my podcast, you and I and ja- and 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 your lovely wife were sitting at the callback bar, and you yep. guys were about to get married, and I said, "Would you guys please?" come back and be on my podcast as husband and wife. And you guys are like, sure. And then, then the, the global pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Congratulations. Uh, married you. life looks like it's treating you very well. It really is. I think, I think uh, husband is a good title for me. I, I think I, I fit it well. <laughs> and and yeah. she's a hell of a wife. We're, we're real happy. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it suits both of you very well. Um, I think I can speak for a lot of single guys when you post those pictures of those meals she makes and her, her creations <laughs> oh, in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. We're just like, fuck that dude, man. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, believe me. It is, it is not something I take for granted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, um, court congratulations to you. You recently made an announcement about your education. Yeah. Um, I found out that I got into a PhD program. Um, in Illinois that I had applied to. So getting ready for a big, big change of location. Wow. When are you, when are you going to do that? Mid, mid summer. Okay. Okay. Mid summer. I was just going to (laughs) say, let's hope not. Um, I I still have a couple and I I don't know where they're at right now, but I still have a couple of Beach Boy records. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had forgotten you told me about that. That I, that I want to get to you but i told you about that like middle of the pandemic when like nobody wanted to go to anyone's house yeah like you're probably like look at this reckless guy <laughs> like, <laughs> trying to give me records he found at a yard sale like uh, <laughs> but i don't know whether i know one of them is one of them is wild honey that's a good and album the, and another one is something else and one of them is still sealed oh really in, in the shrink yeah that's cool so, just just that is really cool uh about it um i'm not the biggest beach boy i i respect the beach boys i love the beach boys but uh i only own uh pet sounds i know and uh what's this surf and safari oh yeah the first one yeah so those though that's the extent of my uh beach boys collection Mm. but we're not here today to talk about the i think the beach boys are going to come up uh because they're running parallel uh at this like during the same time that that we're going to be talking about some of these songs so um i think that's one of the the sidebars that i wanted to ask court about a couple of times during 
the recording. But today we are talking about the top five songs of the British invasion, not including the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, which that just sounds like so hard because when when you first said the topic, I just I just Google searched top hits of the British invasion and you had to scroll. Yeah, yeah, and scroll, and then, um, but within that, some gems started to rise to the top, and um, I think my number one might be a little bit controversial, but mm. my show. Right. Do. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're just gonna go uh, round robin, and let's just jump in, and uh, let's see where this takes us. Um, Corey, you want to start us off? What's your number? Sure. Four? All right. Um, so I'm starting off with um, what will appear on some level, I think, as, as a pretty obvious one. Um, I kind of had to throw it in there um, because it is pretty damn important. And that's You Really Got Me by the Kinks. Um, it's I, I feel like it's the signal to a wave of rock and roll that really took over in the States. And that's music that scares your parents um, because it's got, you know, that that. It's, I think it's the first time that there's the full-on fuzz distortion. Um, it's not the first like distorted guitar, um, but it's like the fuzz distortion because he took a razor blade to his speaker in, in his amp. And uh, that's he got, yeah, that, that's how he gets that sound. It's, it's not an effect pedal because that didn't exist yet. Um, he, he literally made that sound. And it, it, like I said, it, it's, it's music to scare your parents because it, it has a certain sneering quality to it. Um, it's not, you know, well-behaved lads, you know, it's, yeah. it's not, it, it's really, and, and to think they were scared of the Beatles, you know, these, these same up to parents, they were scared of the Beatles, the kinks come out and it's like, holy shit, like these are bad kids, you know, yeah. um, and it's just, it is a great song. I don't really listen to it a whole lot, but when you're talking about an invasion, come on, that's what this one was. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love that you say that it's it's music to scare your parents because like I've always said that like one time a long time ago somebody asked me to define rock and roll, you know, and I, and I I gave up on trying to define it of like you know well in 1955 or like in 1950. Okay. I, my my definition of rock and roll is the first time your parents said what the hell is that crap? What yeah. are you listening to? You know, and that's Rebellion. that's that's your rock and roll like. The first time, because we all grew up with songs that like got handed down to us from our parents, our brothers, our sisters, our cousins. But eventually we all hit this point where we're like, this is mine. And for me, it was the Beastie Boys, right? For me, yep. it was Beastie Boys and License to Ill. And I can still remember my sister saying, turn that shit down. And I was like, you don't get it. You don't get it. Yeah. You know? and, and then your mom threw away your best porno, Maggie. Right? That was very upsetting. I was upset, but I had another one. Yeah, always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. The kinks. Let me keep going with the numbers right here. And uh, Court, what is your number five? My number five is Glad All Over by the Dave Clark Five. Um, it is the song that knocked I Want to Hold Your Hand off of the UK number one chart. Um, and for a couple years, the Dave Clark Five, more so than the Stones or the, the Who or any of the bigger bands, uh, they were viewed as like the main competitors with the Beatles. Like they were the the second 
British invasion band to have a huge hit in the States after mm-hmm. the Beatles. Um, and it's just a cool sounding song. There's a really neat saxophone effect in it, um, where rather than it being like a lead melody of the saxophone, it's kind of paired with the drums to create a mm-hmm. kind of reverby echo effect. It's hard to explain, but it's very cool. And it's just a catchy kind of sing-along call-and-response sort of song that you can see why it would be such a big hit um, in 1963. And it's I, I think that Dave Clark had, for some reason, he held on to the rights to the songs and like there were no reissues of their albums on CD for a long time. And it only recently came to streaming. So whereas a lot of these other bands became like classic rock mainstays on the radio uh, because of the licensing or I don't remember the specific details, but there was some issue where their stuff just was not played further on down the line the way other the way their contemporaries did. But I think they're great and deserve uh, they deserve closer attention. They're they're often in the like 99 cent bin at record stores. Yeah, yeah, it's true. When the, their name came up a lot, I did I did a lot of Googling uh, when when this topic was introduced and their name came up a lot. I didn't know that they were such uh, competitors with the with the Beatles at that time. And I think I also want to point out that like what what did you guys have a time frame of what what you categorize the British invasion? Because like for me, I kind of stuck between 1963 and 1968. That's about where mine are, too, I think. Yeah, mine are um, not by uh, decision or anything, but mine just happened to be all 64 and 65. So mine are kind of like smack dab in the middle of the invasion. Um, but right. I, I think your your time frame is perfect for British yeah. invasion. Yeah, I think yeah. once you get to 69, it's not really an invasion anymore. No, I think um, it's an think occupation. It's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, Billy, Billy Joel described it once uh, perfectly, and I, I didn't, I hadn't, I hadn't put it together until I heard Billy Joel talk about it once, and he said that so the Beatles are on Ed Sullivan, uh, February 1963, but he said that at the time America was in a funk because November 1962 JFK is assassinated, and just the whole country is just like sad, right? Yeah. And then like you know, three or four months later, when we need something to cheer us up with the Beatles come on Ed Sullivan. And it's just like, oh my gosh, we have something to cheer about now. So maybe the time is right right now for a new kind of invasion, because I think we're about to hit a time where everything is going to be great and well, not great, but everything is going to be a lot better. So we're kind of like at, like at the same time right now, we're like, we're getting ready to come out of something that was just miserable, but for a much longer time. But I'm calling it now. It's ska. It's ska. It's a ska revival. Yeah. <laughs> ska revival revival. Yeah, so exactly. As long as it's not the swing revival again, I'm going to be fine with it. Yeah, like, I'm just, never going to forgive. Swing uh, I'm never going to forgive Gen Xers for swing revival. Yeah. But that's their biggest sin. Yeah. <laughs> but, but can we agree that the squirrel nut zippers were pretty freaking rad? Or, you know, they're they're a good band that I don't give a shit about. (laughs) (laughs) Like, anytime my my little brother will show me some songs, and I'm like, yeah, this is cool. I like this. I'm never going to listen to this. I'm never going to sit down and listen to this. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay. (laughs) Well, um, 
my number five is we have our where did my pin go uh oh, here it is my number five we have our first um double uh my number five is the kinks you really got me nice yeah and uh released in august of 1964 um you know there was a rumor though they tried to say that it was that was jimmy yeah. page on guitar yeah, and, yeah. totally not true <laughs> yeah, and he said that it is not true um and uh and of course the this song was made famous again in 1978 with uh, uh van halen's cover on their yeah. debut album um which which a lot of bands when they're at their debut album phase like they've been like playing live for a few years and they're playing live with like a deep repertoire of covers you know so um yeah, so my number five is uh, is the Kinks. Uh, you really got me from uh, August of nineteen sixty four. You know what else I'm noticing is these songs. It's only two minutes and fourteen seconds long. Yeah, it's radio friendly. Like it's it's very conscious. You know, of like we we need to have concise things so we can get to the programming blocks. Like because radio doesn't exist for the pure joy of music it exists oh, to sell please. you know like you, you need commercial space yeah yeah, so, yeah makes sense <laughs> yeah. all right we are at our number fours what do you got for number four Corey? and we'll just we'll keep the same order tonight okay um, yeah so i'm going slightly deep with my number four um with go now by the moody blues um this was off their their debut album um when they still had denny lane um and uh it's a uh, a very different moody than what people would be familiar with if if they're just in the the sort of psychedelic camp of moody blues you know nights in white satin uh which i would say would be an alternative for me i i was first thinking nights in white satin but this one i do love more and this i think falls a little more in line with the british invasion because um, it was a crossover hit. It was number one in the UK. It got to number 10 in the US. Uh, so it wasn't as successful as later stuff that they had. Um, but it's a great song uh, because it's still the Moody Blues when they were uh, heavily R&B. They were a Mersey beat band. You know, it's um, it was so of its time. Um, it's it's a great record. His voice sounds amazing on it because um, he has this breaking quality <laughs> with and some of it just has to do with the, the natural distortion of the microphones at the time but wow. he hits some of these notes that just break your heart <laughs> it's okay. such a powerful song yeah go now with an yeah. exclamation point that's important go now go now all right go now the moody blues number four court what is your number four my number four is carrie ann by the hollies um which is another just infectious song with a great sing-along chorus. Um, Holly's was Graham Nash's group before he uh, left for Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And um, from what I understand, they were pretty, the Hollies were pretty content to stay in the British invasion kind of almost bubblegum pop, uh, that kind of zone. Um, whereas Graham Nash wanted to experiment more and make things a little bit weirder. And so some of the songs that are on the first Crosby, Stills and Nash album were 
songs that he brought to the Hollies that they didn't want to do. Oh, wow. Um, Interesting. And nonetheless, the Hollies are great because they put so much emphasis on vocal harmonies, which Mm -hmm. not a lot of the British invasion groups did. A lot of them were more guitar driven or blues influenced. But with the Hollies, you just have these like very shimmering, uh shimmering background background vocals and harmonies that just are so good and this song in particular i think showcases that nice nice the hollies um at number four i don't think we've heard the last of the hollies um (laughs) on this list of yeah i i really like the hollies um and yeah you could hear that that early harmonization that went on to be crosby stills uh Uh Um, in, in a lot of the of the Holly's work. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of their harmonies, um, because I'll, I'll find any excuse to bring this perfect songwriter up. Um, the Holly's do a cover of Judy Sills' Lady O. And the most beautiful thing about it is the harmonies that they have on it. They don't mm. change a whole lot about the arrangement, except they layer so many beautiful harmonies over the song uh, that in the original version didn't have any of that kind of Uh, element to it Um, and it's just a cool sort of connection because Graham Nash produced her most successful single which was Jesus was a crossmaker so it's cool that he like dug her so much that he then brought it to his band yeah (laughs) nice nice okay my number four uh, another short song two minutes and 25 seconds December December of 1964 the zombies she's not there um Friggin' love this song. Um, Rolling Stone magazine uh, in their top 500 songs of all time put it at number 297. Um, the uh, uh, she's not there. One of the one of the lyrics is taken from a John Lee Hooker song, and again, I think uh, Court just mentioned it. A lot of these a lot of these songs have like a real uh, a lot of these artists at the time are really influenced by the blues. Well, especially like the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, like we know that for sure. But then when we start getting into these other songs, like you could hear like just the, these these really bluesy, these really these really soulful uh, um, vocals. And uh, I think you really, you really hear it here, especially uh, that it's taken from a John Lee Hooker song. Um, Santana does a great cover of this. Um, uh, it's on, I think his Moonflower album. But, um, and Santana is one of those bands that like, you go see him live, you know, for sure, he's going to do like Oya Komova and Black Magic Woman. And then the rest of the show, you're just like, wonder what he's going to play, you know? And uh, when he did Wheatland a couple summers ago, um, he did this song and it, they scorched it. I mean, it was just like, and the whole crowd knew it was a treat. Like the whole crowd was just like, oh my, because he did it with a couple of the guys from the Doobie Brothers. It was like one of the songs at the very, like the Doobie Brothers opened up and it was like one of the songs at the end when they just jammed and everyone knew that like that was such a treat to get to see that. So um, my number four is uh, the zombies. She's not there. All right, Corey, what do you got at number three? Well, this actually works out perfect because my number three is She's Not There by the Zombies. Um, so I, I guess uh, I'll just touch on something that, uh, that I, I just love about the song and just the band in general. And uh, that's their use of dynamics. 
their their arrangements of songs are so interesting, especially for the time, because they love to do that thing where like the verse would be very cool and mysterious, and then you have the explosion of, of the chorus. I really dig that. You you, you also get it with um, uh, time of the season, mm-hmm. probably even more so with time of the season. Like that dynamic is so clear. Um, and yeah, this is just a great song. It's it's so spooky, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah. I just, I love the atmosphere of it. They build a wonderful atmosphere. Yeah, great song, great song. All right. That's the second time we've had a crossover. Well, I'm not well, surprised. Yeah. It gets it gets weirder because my number three, uh, if, you did, if you were all done. Yeah, we're ready. Oh, yeah, uh, my number three is also by the Zombies, but it is a different song. It is Care of Cell 44 off of Odyssey yeah. and Oracle. What's the song Care of Cell 44 which is a very nice song written about missing someone who's in prison. Um, and it, it's just, it's, it's I, man, it's just, it's probably my favorite zombie song and one of my favorite songs ever. Um, it just has such, it's just so pleasant and the vocals are so crisp on it. Um, yeah, it just has a really great sunny atmosphere despite the, despite the content of the lyrics um and it just shows off the crazy production work on the odyssey and oracle album um that still i think is underrated as far as classics of like the baroque pop of the 60s that still doesn't get enough credit i don't think um yeah all right the zombies number three care of cell 44 i'm gonna have to give that one a spin um, okay, so my number three um, is uh, The Hollies with Bus Stop. Came out mm. September of 1966. It's so freaking catchy. And, but it's the, the sound, I think what I, what I wanted to point out was that, so this came out in like 1966 and the Beatles did Rubber Soul in 1965. And you could just see how like that, influence the like a little bit of change in the dynamic a little bit like the lyrics are like the 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 grooves are a little bit trippier a little bit more experimental you know um and it was uh yeah so this came out 66 and the harmonies are just freaking beautiful and you could like we we touched on earlier like this is graham nash like two years before he splits to do crosby stills and nash right so he left them in 1968 to do Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And then was Woodstock in, in 69? Because like that kind of like... Yeah. That kinda, yeah. And Crosby, Stills, and Nash played Woodstock. Mm-hmm. So like that's crazy that that band was still so new. But I guess <laughs> with veteran players, you know, because the like great bands aren't an accident. You know, it's like a lot of times like great bands, like there's guys that were in like kind of good bands end up being in these great bands and i think we're seeing um i think at this point we're seeing like uh uh graham nash getting ready to fly the coop and it's just like mm-hmm. kind of like reached his his limitations with this band um but it's it's a great uh it's a great uh way to to, to end it with the i don't know if that's exactly where it ended with the hollies but it's you can hear great it. that, that you can hear it you know yeah 
And uh, but that's yeah, that's my number three. Uh, the Hollies bus stop, so catchy. Oh yeah. Um, Corey, we are at your number two. All right. So I went with Mrs. Brown, You've Got a Lovely Daughter by uh, Herman's Hermits. Uh, I chose this not just because I love this song, but also because to me, it's the most British of all the British invasion songs. It, you could not get more British. In fact, he, um, the, the, the lead singer on it, whose name escapes me right now, uh, it's not Herman, uh, but uh, uh, he even exaggerates his English accent like to be more appealing to an American audience. Um, I didn't know until reading about the song for the first time today that it was something of a standard um, in like the local sort of band scene uh, in England at the time um, to where when Herman's Hermits recorded it, they had no idea that it would be a hit like in the UK or overseas, let alone um, to the point that it, it was like a standard at birthday parties and stuff. And you would replace mrs brown with whoever the name of the birthday girl was um it's just such a it's a cutesy song it's very cheeky <laughs> because it's i don't know it's uh, i i don't know what more i could say about it it's it's great it's it was a huge success but it's one of those huge successes that um is kind of swept under the rug now because of the beatles and the stones and like there's only so much that the media can talk about as far as british invasion things so certain things get a little ignored, uh, which is why I think we wanted to do the episode like, we, like we're doing, so we could talk about stuff. We talk like about these, these bands that, that, people, uh, that people should be talking about um, yeah. as well, right? Yeah. Okay, Mrs. Brown, uh, you've got a lovely daughter by Herman's Hermits. Uh, Court, what do you got at number two? My number two, and speaking of getting people to listen to these bands, uh, my number two is Fresher Than the Sweetness in Water by the group Honey Bus, alternatively known as The Honey Bus. Um, this is like the best Beatles song not written by a member of Beatles. Um, and I don't mean that to say that it sounds derivative, just that it is as good as the best Beatles songs. And they, this song is actually later than I realized. It's actually from 1970. Um, they only released one album while they were together and then there's been some pretty good like anthology releases collecting all their like unreleased tracks and stuff like that and they're just a group that I stumbled across I don't even know how I came across them because I had never heard of them before a few years ago but I heard this song and I was immediately like locked in as it's one of the most catchy catchy songs and it's got really good kind of fuzzy kind of fuzzy guitar and it just has all the all the elements are there for it to be a classic but for whatever reason they just didn't quite catch despite having a few hits um that were pretty big in england mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i started listening to honey bus like three weeks ago oh um, really <laughs> and i dig it so much and it's such a bummer that there wasn't more of an output and I wonder if it's because um, when you look at the lineup, like none of them are multi-instrumentalists. Like they, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have been playing those lush string arrangements live. And I wonder if like that kind of contributes to why they didn't have much staying power. Because how do you duplicate those songs live? It would have felt bare. Because they were, when you look at the lineup, they are just a pretty standard pop 
rock outfit, uh-huh. you know. But to me, like that's not the uh, the hook of their sound. The hook is these lush arrangements. Um, so yeah, maybe. Yeah. Great band though. Everyone should look up Honey Bus. <laughs> yeah, if you're a fan of like the Beatles or Emmett Rhodes, um, mm. very kind of, very similar to Emmett Rhodes, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So check them out. Court's going deep with his picks, and I love it. Like <laughs> I'm getting some homework here, man. All right. Uh, my number two uh, is uh, the Yardbirds for your love. Um, nine, what is it? Nine, 1965, dude. So like at this time, you've got like Clapton, Beck, and Page just kind of like bumming around looking for a band, like trying to find like. It's it's so crazy that uh, that that all these great guitarists were just like waiting to be born during this time frame, and of course, all go on to just be mega mega stars. Um, did the, there's like a bongo solo in this song? Uh, there's like three different tempo changes. You know, the song is all over the place, and Clapton really only plays. There's like this breakdown in the middle of the song, and like the later part of the breakdown you could definitely hear Clapton's tone. Like you don't, cause like, I was like, this doesn't sound like Clapton to me, but then I started reading more about it. And he really only plays uh, in the, like in the, there's a breakdown in the middle of the song and that's where Clapton is playing. Otherwise it's, it's studio musicians. Um, and this is written by uh, Graham Goldman who also wrote uh, the Holly's bus stop. Mm. Yeah. So um you know that it was a hit song is is, is no accident. You know, uh, and it, and he um, he shopped it around to a to a bunch of different uh, bands. Uh, his manager said, "Oh, you should you should sell this to the Beatles or get this to the Beatles." And then uh, he shopped it around to a bunch of different bands. And then he was in a band who was like the warm up band uh, on top of the Pops. Huh. And, and uh, eventually, there was one night where his band warmed up the audience. And then the Yardbirds were the, the guest band and they played this song. And he's like, I wrote that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, That's cool. Yeah, they were they were the big stars. Um, so yeah, the Yardbirds, For Your Love. Nice. Um, okay, so before we get to our number ones, man, we're, we're zipping along through these. Um, before we get to our number ones, I uh, took to Facebook earlier this morning, like I like to do. And um, I asked, you know, our friends, because we, we share a lot of the same friends. Um, <laughs> I asked our friends um, to uh, post what they thought uh, were some of the top uh, songs of the British invasion. But I also told them you can't pick the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. So, um, well, the first one, you guys probably don't know this guy friend of mine from Bakersfield, Philip DeRoche. Um, oh, Philip! Oh, yeah, you know <laughs> Phil. Yeah, yeah, he's doing great. You guys played Little League together. Yeah. yeah, his dad coached. So he comes in with, um, and I don't think he gives me any order. He just goes, she's not there by the zombies. Here's one we haven't talked about. Needles and Pins by the Searchers. Heart Full of Soul by the Yardbirds. You don't have to say you love me by Dusty Springfield, and Bus Stop by the Hollies. So kind of right in there with us. 
Dan Scott, beer connoisseur, improviser, and close personal friend of all of ours. And a real music connoisseur as well. Yeah, he is. I'm going to have to get him on here soon. But uh, yeah, he's he's love talking music with that guy. He comes in with the kinks. You really got me in all day and all of the night. The zombies, she's not there and tell her no. And pretty much anything else. So that's all he had. Uh, Rhoda D. Ramon just commented with um, Dedication Flower of Fashion by the Kinks, Waterloo Sunset by the Kinks, Making Time by Creation, mm. The Air That I Breathe by the Hollies, Dusty Springfield, Son of a Preacher Man, The Way I Feel Inside by the Zombies, and House of the Rising Sun by the Animals. I feel so silly now for not including Dusty Springfield. I love Dusty Springfield. I was afraid to go down the Dusty Springfield rabbit hole. Like, uh, of course, I, I put my research off to the last minute. And Dusty Springfield came up so much, but I knew so little about sure. it. Yeah. I, I was afraid to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, Rhoda's got great taste in music. Uh, I just messaged her maybe about a week ago and tell her I, I need to get her on a top five so she'll be on a top five soon uh we still just haven't settled on a topic and okay that's all did you guys have any songs that you were like oh this is almost about to make my list but not quite do you have any also rans making time um, by the creation was one one of my also rans mm -hmm. Corey, did you have um, any I kind of, I, I was uh, a little torn with my number two. I was also, uh, another Herman's Hermit song, um, uh, Something Tells Me I'm Into Something Good, oh, which is such a sunshiny sort of like, I, and I think that's definitely a better known song, but then like a couple spots on my list uh, with Go Now especially, I uh, I just thought, you know, it's my top five. <laughs> like, I like this song more, so I'm going to go with this one. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd say I'm into something good would, would be an also ran for me. And then Nights in White Satin. For mm. Yeah. Nights of, was Nights in White Satin, was that late in the British invasion? Yeah. Yeah, that was... Was that like 69 or 68? Let's see. Hmm. All right. Are we losing your audio? 67. Oh, 67. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, I also had uh, Colors by Donovan um, as an also, also ran. Um, very pretty song. It's just him on guitar. Um, there's a really good live version from some TV thing on YouTube where it's him and Pete Seeger is playing banjo as well. Mm. Um, and it's, it's cool to hear a folky mm. like donovan doing like kind of merging with american folk uh on that it's really nice uh just because i want to talk about bruce springsteen if you ever get a chance uh bruce springsteen the seeger sessions is great oh. and then he does uh he does the seeger sessions live in dublin mm -hmm. the band that he puts together for that is just smoking so um Pay me my money down, um, and they do uh, they do uh, a couple of Springsteen songs in that fashion. It's great stuff, great stuff. All right, we're at our number ones. Corey, 
what do you have at your number one? All right, coming in hot here. Please don't let me be misunderstood by the animals. Um, I think it perfectly encapsulates um, the appeal to teenagers. Um, and it, it's certainly not what the song was written to be um, because it wasn't like written by the animals. It, it was written for Nina Simone who recorded it first with a very different sort of arrangement. When the animals took it, they, they made it a lot more blues rocky and that sort of thing. But I don't think it's too much of a stretch to project this, um, this sort of call to arms, or not even a call to arms, a, a call to sympathy for teenagers. Because how could you not like relate to that hook of like, I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. Don't let me be misunderstood. Like being a, a teenager and feeling like your parents just don't get you, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and the world doesn't get all these strange feelings you have. And um, it just has such a great energy to it. I, I think it's the, really, I think it's the best of, of the British invasion. Um, Cause it just, it, it hits all those points for me so well. And the voice, how, how do you deny that voice? It's so great. Yeah, Eric Burden, man. Yeah. All right, good song, good song. Um, Court, what's your number one? My number one is by Chad and Jeremy. And the song is Painted Dayglow Smile off of their 1968 album, The Ark. Um, produced by the wonderful, incredibly talented Gary Usher. Uh, it was Columbia Records' like most expensive album up to that point, and it was so expensive that it got Gary Usher fired as a <laughs> yeah as a Columbia producer. So that's why after uh, after sixty seven sixty eight, you stop having Gary Usher producing groups like the Birds and all these other bands that were on Columbia uh, because he had lost them so much money on this album, which along with its predecessor which was called of cabbages and kings um they due to just unfortunate circumstance they were written off as just trying to copy sergeant peppers and when you see the cover art for of cabbages and kings especially it has the same sort of it's you know like staging a photograph with like weird vibrant colors and stuff with the stuff in the foreground and background um what am i trying to say it the album this song in particular is just so so good and it's such a beautiful production um that it, it's it just goes all over the place it goes from like slow sad kind of ballad to sounding almost like electric light orchestra toward the end um there's just so many little tiny details in this in the arrangement and production of this song that it it i i think that it kind of speaks for itself when you listen to it and it people should give chad and jeremy a, a fairer shake because they kind of got mocked a lot for being just the most like posh of the british invasion bands like they didn't have any real rock and roll credibility or anything and then these albums came out and were seen as just a psychedelic cash-in but they're really their their own thing they're working with Gary Usher, who's like a production genius. He started out working with Brian Wilson and worked with all sorts of groups um, later on. And just, yeah, Painted Day Glow Smile was one of their last singles before they broke up. And it's such a good, 
such a good send off. It's I, I would compare it to um, She's Leaving Home. And it's kind of where there's like different kind of parts to the song and it, you know, picks up and slows down. Um, but I like it even it's it's one of my top five favorite songs ever, I think. Oh, wow. Court, I want to ask you, um, because you 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 really know a lot about the Beach Boys. What uh, during this time frame, 63 to 68, where are the Beach Boys at musically? And are the Beach Boys influencing this sound or is this sound influencing the Beach Boys? I would say this sound is influencing the Beach Boys in that period. Mm -hmm. Because when the when the Beatles hit, that was what knocked the Beach Boys off the top of the charts. And suddenly they had to compete literally for ad advertising space because both were signed to Capitol Records. And so a lot of the advertising money that was going into promoting Beach Boys singles was reallocated to the Beatles. And that was one of the things that spurred Brian Wilson to um, really start putting more time into coming up with the production. And it's around that time that he stopped touring with the group so that he could focus solely on songwriting and producing. Um, and there, there's definitely a back and forth between the Beach Boys and the Beatles during this period where you have Revolver coming out and influencing Pet Sounds and then Pet Sounds in turn influences um, Sgt. Peppers. And um, it, it, yeah, I think that Brian Wilson got freaked out by the Beatles because suddenly after everyone telling him that he was he was on he was on top as the american songwriter guy and then the beatles come and just blow them out of the water and if you listen to early beatles songs they are so much more fully formed than early beach boy songs um and it, it was that competition and the beatles uh, the just in general the british invasions tendency to experiment more that really pushed the Beach Boys into new creative directions, just just for the sake of being able to compete on the charts. But like, whereas you say that the Beatles songs were more structurally sound, like the Beatles had George Martin in their corner. Did the Beach Boys have a great producer in their corner? They had Brian. Brian was doing it, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, their early albums, um, their first two albums, I want to say, were co-produced by. Uh, Brian and then a capital like staff producer named Nick Vinay, um, who is a fine producer in his own right, but Brian was still kind of coming into his own in the studio. And the songwriting, there's just, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of clunkers on the first couple Beach Boys albums because they were, they just didn't have material yet other than cars and surfing. Um, and there, there was no reason for them to go outside of that as long as they were at the top of the charts. But right, when no need for it. Yeah. eventually it reached a point where it was commercially and creatively unsatisfying to just stay in that mold. Um, and, and they wouldn't have, I, I don't think they would have really changed their sound as much as they did without the kind of encroaching invasion onto their turf. Wow, that's some good insight, man. Thanks for sharing that. That's that's really good. That's really good stuff. Okay, uh, we're gonna move on. Okay, we're at my number one, right? Yeah, that's where we are. My number one. Um, 
1964. And this song comes in at four minutes and 30 seconds. And it's, it's the animals, the house of the rising sun. Um, I, I love this song. We're going back to Eric Burden again. Um, that voice and that, and he did it. So it's like, it's a traditional song that like, no one really knows like who wrote it. It's like, like uh, the, the earliest recording of it was like from 1933 by this artist, uh, Clarence Tom Ashley. And he just said it was a song his grandfather used to sing. So um, is there really a house in New Orleans? Some say there was a brothel. Some say it was a woman's prison. Um, a lot of uh, controversy about all of that. But um, I, I, I knew this one. I knew I wanted this to be my number one when I started the list. But then when I realized that um, that it was it was a cover and that so when I, I knew I wanted this to be my number one all along, but then when I got to doing the research on it and I realized that they didn't write it um, and that we really didn't know who wrote it, I kind of almost didn't want it to be my number one. But then like when I think about like so much of this music was like influenced by the blues and uh, by R&B, you know? And then like, I thought it was, it was a good way to end my list because it's, it's so weird that like, like American blues and R&B and soul influenced the British invasion, but then the British invasion would go on to influence like the doors, you know? And that psychedelic bluesy sound, like the doors were all over the place, like blues and psychedelic and like the Hammond B3, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think that like, you know, they, they complemented each other and, you know, everything kind of comes full circle, you know, so this, this British music that was inspired by this American music later inspired new American music, you know, so I'm, I'm cool with having the animals, uh, the house of the rising sun, and then Rhoda Ramon just validated it for me and she put it at number one on, on her list and we all know how cool she is. So. <laughs> I'm cool with uh, having the animals, my number one uh, with the House of the Rising Sun. Oh yeah, it's it's a great song. Um, and I, I love that you talked about the sort of uh, like lineage of the song. Cause one of the funniest things to me about the song is, um, and this is an incomplete sort of anecdote, but uh, I don't know the, uh, the name of like the first guy in the story. It might even be the guy you were talking about, but um, he he was well known for his rendition of it he, he was a folk artist and he'd been playing it around for years it was kind of one of his signature songs and then bob dylan recorded his version yeah. and then whenever this first guy would play it everyone would go hey you're playing dylan he's like no i'm not playing dylan. I'm playing the old standard. and then the fun turnaround was that then the animals come out with theirs and then whenever bob dylan would play it they go oh you're playing the animals <laughs> and 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 then like I think that that original, you know, original first guy got wind of that and he just thought that was the most beautiful justice <laughs> that yeah. Bob Dylan wasn't getting credit for the song. He wasn't getting it either, but at least it wasn't Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure Dylan hated that. <laughs> I still probably didn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. Dylan, Dylan did Dylan, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so now we're at the, at the fun part uh, where we're going to, uh, we're going to take our top fives and we're going to try to agree on a top five. And I guess um, we usually uh, say that stuff that gets mentioned more than once 
kind of automatically mm-hmm. makes the top five. Which yeah. in, in this list we've got the Kinks. You really got me. Gets mentioned twice. Hold on, my handwriting is horrible. I tried to write in cursive the other day and about had a stroke. Um, <laughs> it's hard. I lasted like three words and I was like, I don't even know why I tried to prove that to myself. <laughs> okay, so the, the kinks um, and the zombies, she's not there. Yeah. Uh, get mentioned twice. I think that's the only, yeah, that's the only crossover. Um, yeah, so we got two of them and the animals as a band get mentioned twice um, and the hall i think the hollies did the hollies get mentioned twice yeah um, we had yeah, carrie yeah, ann yeah and bus stop carrie ann and i had them with bus stop and then um okay so we need three songs and i think what would be fair but it doesn't necessarily have to be this way is that we could we could hammer out the last three songs by each of us fighting for one song from from each of our lists right so um like Corey, if you had to say now you already got you really got me so you've got uh the you've got the moody blues uh, oh, you've got the zombies too. Um, yeah. What about like Herman's Hermits or the animals? You know, I got to pull for the animals. If if I'm if I'm throwing one in, in the ring here, it's it's please don't let me be misunderstood. All right. I I I might argue with you, but I can't right now. But I might because I think we're gonna have a, a hard question to answer. Okay, so please don't let me. Court, what what do you want to save from your list? Which ah, your list is so good, uh, because it's just like they're all such unique songs that no one else thought of. And like you took some chances, you took some big swings, and you hit a couple of triples off the wall. Uh, <laughs> what do you what do you what do you want to save from your list? I would say Chad and Jeremy painted Dayglow Smile is is a must listen for people. So I, I would argue for that. Okay. Then you know what? Okay. All right. So you're saying Chad and Jeremy. Uh, what's the song called? Painted? Day Glow. D-A-Y-G-L-O-W. Smile. And you know what? In the spirit of court going to bat for something less known, I'm going to switch my pick for something I'm going to argue for. I'm going to I'm gonna go with Go Now from the Moody Blues. Um, in the spirit of like if, if you release this as a list, you know, hopefully people will, you know, check it out. Maybe, especially the songs they haven't heard before. I really want people to hear Go Now. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to ask you guys to send me your list and then I'll make a Spotify playlist mm. a link to. Cool. So that, so that we can give people the choice to expose themselves to all of these songs. Um. Guys, help me out because with my list, I'm really torn between. Um, uh, I freaking love Bus Stop, but I also love the Animals' House of the Rising Sun. Um, 
I'm kind of leaning towards the animal. Between those two, as much as I, I think I prefer House of the Rising Sun as a song, but as a British invasion um, okay. entry, I think it's bus stop all the way. Okay, yeah, you've, you've got a really great point. Bus stop. Okay, so we've got the kinks, you really got me. The zombies, um, she's not there. Go Now um, by the Moody Blues. Chad and Jeremy, uh, painted day glow smile and bus stop. Now, what's number five, four, three, two, one? I think that five should be as it was in my list. You really got me now. Um, I think it kind of skates in there, you know, like it deserves to be in the top five, but I don't think it holds a candle to any anything else that we've put on this list. Okay. Okay. Good point. Um, Court, where do you want to put Chad and Jeremy? Do you want to put it at number four or do you think it should be deeper? Um, I don't know. Since it's, it's hard to say since um, I don't know how, I don't think you guys are very familiar with it. So uh, other than personally liking that song so much, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I could argue for it being higher up just due to their lower stature in the, uh, you know, in the overall listings of bands. They, they don't come up as much. And so I guess you got to knock them a couple points for that as much as it pains me. So I'm willing to accept that at number four. Okay. But you got them in, like, yes. just, just on <laughs> your, just on, on your being court and us knowing that you know your shit. We're going to say, like, all right, we're going to put them in. So they're at number four. Chad and Jeremy. Painted. Day glow. I'm hoping that I find some of this stuff at the at the Goodwill and at the, yeah. at the stops later on today that uh, it's like my mandatory weekend thing. All right, so what we have left is uh, we've got uh, we've got bus stop, we've got the moody blues, and we've got the zombies. And I do we want to go three the moody blues, two bus stop, three uh, we want to go zombies number one, um, bus stop number two, and moody blues number three. That sounds good to me. Sure. That actually sounds very fair. Okay. So. Moody Blues. Go now. Um, number two. What did we say? The Zombies number two? or No, Bus Stop was number two. Bus Stop was number two. And then Zombies was number one. I hope you weren't expecting a fight because Court and I are very agreeable people. <laughs> no. <laughs> Now nah, we don't have a good time, man. <laughs> a really solid list because it's not the radio friendly um, Beatles influenced, Rolling Stones influenced um, uh, songs that some, some some of our picks were were that were like very radio friendly, very Beatles influenced. Um, but I think I think we're really we're really um, kind of all over the place. So number five. Uh, the Kinks, you really got me. Number four, Chad and Jeremy, painted day glow smile. 
Number three, the Moody Blues, Go Now. Number two, the Hollies, Bus Stop. And number one, the Zombies, She's Not There. As much as we raved about the animals, we we decided to leave them off the list because, I mean, you had the animals at your number. They were two number ones did not make the top, <laughs> which is kind of unprecedented. I think it's, you know, in, in, uh, in, in the spirit of, of uh, not even fairness, but just uh, representation. I, I think that other things deserve a little more spotlight that haven't yeah. got their due, you know? And I also think that Eric Burden would be okay with not having made this list. Like he'd be like, because because the thing about Eric Burden is like, he leaves, comes to San Francisco, right? And like starts jamming with war, like, you know, like, of all that is so crazy like that really took like for my brain to put that together um, you know like being a mexican kid growing up in bakersfield like war was just something that was handed down to you you're like you have to (laughs) like this this like they give every little mexican kid war and santana like (laughs) seven they're like here you go this is your stuff go and then you know and when i was like wait that's eric burden yeah that that made no sense to me, but it makes a lot of sense to me now because he was just still exploring American music, you know. Yeah. So this list was a lot of fun. Uh, it was challenging. Uh, I I gotta admit, I was like, what the fuck? I think I'm gonna tell them no. I <laughs> I almost threw back the caveat of okay, we can only pick one Beatles and one Rolling Stone song. But I was like, I was like, no, dude, like get out of your comfort zone and learn something. And I absolutely did. And uh, you guys brought the, one of the things I love about dad rock and even just like when I was on the, 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 we're not sure if it was the first show or not, but when I was on that show, I was like, you guys blew me away with your knowledge of stuff. And um, I was like, I really, I knew I wanted to have you guys on for a while until I, I finally reached out and I was so glad that you guys agreed. So um, how's Dad Rock going? How's Dad Rock going? You guys doing still having fun with that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a hoot. Uh, we're, we're we're doing some uh, some kind of off the beaten path stuff coming up soon. Uh, we're doing eels. Uh, we got uh, we're doing Simon and Garfunkel soon. Um, it's it's gonna be some fun stuff. Yeah, we've we've been getting a kick out of it. That's great. I recently found um, I think it's right here. Please let it be right here. Found this for two dollars at the Goodwill the other day. Nice. Yeah, that's a Goodwill standard. <laughs> like yeah, you're gonna find that. You're gonna find, uh, you know, whipped cream and other delights, Herb Albert. Like you're you're gonna find certain things anytime you go. <laughs> you know? Why is there so much Herb? Why? Because Herb I'll tell you why. It's no, something please. that people purchase and then take home because they think they got to have it. <laughs> and then they hang on to it for too long. I- I'm not saying it's, it's bad music. It's great music, but it's not music that most of our culture listens to. So then it finds itself back into those bins when people inevitably move and they realize they have too many records and that's a pain in the ass to move. And Herb Alpert is the first to go. I've, I've given up several copies of whipped cream and other delights. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I see so much Herb Albert. It's just like, and Chuck Mangione. Oh, yeah. 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 
Um, Which are great records. People should listen to Chuck Mangione. Like yeah, seriously, yeah. especially uh, Live at the Hollywood Bowl. That's oh, really? the only one that I like listen to semi regularly. Maybe like once a year, I'll listen to Live at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh-huh. Uh, so good. <laughs> right on, right on. Do you do vinyl or do, are you listening to to, to streaming? Or- I, I do have too many records, um, but I don't really listen to it that often. Mostly, if I'm listening to music, I'm like laying in bed with headphones and Spotify. Uh, while I'm playing some dumb video game or something. That's most of the time. I, or in the car. I, I listen to m- most music in the car. So mm-hmm. clearly I'm not uh, dropping the needle on my commute. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I do have records. I don't collect it like I used to. Um, mm-hmm. And I going back to what I was saying before, I, I think I've moved too many times to, to really instill the fact that y- you can have too many records because it's a real pain in the ass to move. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Court? Are you spinning vinyl or? or yeah, you- yeah. I, um, I have, I have quite a few. Um, I, yeah. I like to keep my local record stores. Uh, the, the those uh relief checks got to go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would love to shout out um, uh, uh, Funnel Select Records on uh, Fruit Ridge. I love that store. Um. I'm Dale and I'm not sure the other guy's name. D- Dale uh, seems to be the guy that runs it, and I forget. Gary, I don't know. Um, I love going in there, and I, I love it when there's nobody in there and we just talk for 15, 20 minutes. And um, yeah, they're, they're they're great guys. And Kicksville Vinyl, uh, Kicksville Vintage, mm-hmm. uh, in in downtown, another great store. Um, and uh, um, the cave out in Folsom, but it's so overwhelming because they have everything. Like they've got like Funko Pops, they've got T-shirts, they've got sneakers, they've got everything. So it gets a little bit overwhelming. But I've I've found some gems at a good price out there too. So, um, all right, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, uh, I look forward to to chatting with you guys again soon and. Court, we got. I got to get you these these uh, these Beach Boy records before, <laughs> yeah. you, before you leave. I mean, I hope some. Are Are you dreading making the move, and are are all your records going to make it with you? Um, I'm gonna try to try to bring them. Um, yeah, there there might be a few things that I'll that I'll ditch that are just not not too important to me. But I I tend to just buy the records of. I, I have a pretty clear picture of which records I want to have and which ones I don't want to have. And so while my collection is always growing, um, I don't think I buy records compulsively anymore. I, 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 I'll usually sit and think about it for a while if it's one that I really want. And if I still want it like a couple weeks later, then I'll, then I'll consider looking for it. But I, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and move them safely. I uh, wish I had that discipline. Oh, it looked like you were getting ready to say something. Yeah, I, I just wanted to take the opportunity to plug our show, if that's okay. Like, really? as far as time and where to find it. Yes, uh, if, if people uh, liked hearing our voice on, on your wonderful show, uh, they can catch us every Thursday uh, through the uh, Stab Comedy Theater channels on YouTube, Twitch, uh, Facebook, all that stuff. Uh, it's 6 o'clock Dad Rock Talk. We do that every 6 o'clock on Thursdays. 
and we talk about all sorts of just dad rock stuff. And it's, as we were kind of talking at the top of the show, it's a pretty vague, uh, you know, rule uh, as far as dad rock. So we, we get into a lot of interesting stuff. And we have fun guests all the time. So, yeah, check it out. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for coming on the show, you guys. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was fun. Awesome, awesome.